Hey, friends. Melissa and I really enjoy promoting forensics by hosting this podcast, but we know that we're promoting the activity within our already established forensics family. Maybe we can extend our fan base to our close friends and family. Maybe. But today's guest comes from a place where speech and debate are valued in ways that will blow your mind. Greg Stevens is a coach from, well, many places, but most notably Okaboji High School in Iowa. Side note, why do so many people make fun of Sheboygan when there are towns in the world named Okaboji? We loved talking to Greg about ways to increase the visibility of our programs, as well as the history and legacy of speech and debate in Iowa. This, by the way, is definitely an episode that will appeal to our colleagues in the debate world. He also told us about the craziest and most profitable fundraising idea we've ever heard. Here's our conversation with Greg. Well, Greg, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. We're really excited to be having these conversations with coaches from outside the state and be getting new perspectives on this activity, which we love, but we also are really curious about how it operates in other parts of the country. Um, and there are also, you know, some parts of the activity that frustrate us, and we're always curious uh, to, to get some wisdom from people who have a different perspective. So, And also so commiserate about it. Yes, that tends to happen too. <laughs> so, <laughs> so just on on some background, so for our listeners um, who are not familiar with you, Greg, um, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Where are you currently coaching? Uh, you know, what's your quote unquote day job? That sort of stuff. Well, I coached for um, 28 years at Okaboji High School in Iowa. Um, presently, I am a retired teacher. I took this year off for a variety of reasons. I coached last year at Ording High School out here in Washington, um, and my day job is hiking and cross-country skiing. I still <laughs> coach. I still coach a little bit. I'm helping the Okaboji debaters a little bit this year, and I have a student from. I'm privately coaching a student from Harper School in uh, California. Wow! Nice. Doing a little bit of everything everywhere. Yes. Excellent. How long have you been coaching? When did you guys start? Uh, I started coaching. Well, my my coach left um, when high school. When I graduated, went to community college in the same town. He left, and so I kind of started helping then in 1978. Um, but my first full time coach was in 1982 in, in um, uh, Freeman, South Dakota. You move around a lot. Uh, yeah, I did <laughs> Freeman. I did another school in Iowa. Then I've been at I was at Okaboji for 28 years. So. Wow. Same story with us. Melissa and I are both graduates of our programs who came back to help. And now here we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, my high school program no, doesn't exist anymore. It, oh. it died pretty soon after I left for four year college. So, wow. Um, in fact, I, I look back and all the tournaments that we went through, you know, because we had a Northwest Iowa circuit. We're not Minnesota a little bit, but basically really tight circuit. We all went together, and then we'd go to some big tournaments. Um, none of those schools, except for Spencer High School, still debate. And they had one kid on their program this year. Oh. Yeah, rural, rural debate is so, so declined. It's just, it's just so sad. Well, since you brought it up, tell us a little bit more about how you got involved in debate as, as a student. And were you the type of kid that, like, you grew up knowing somehow you'd be a debater, or how did you get introduced to it? This is a weird story. My grandfather was a debate coach. Um, oh. he, he was a superintendent of schools and he had and uh, also taught. So he's in way back when they had the county superintendent. And he also taught some of the upper level college uh, to upper level classes. And they had college classes in the same high school. And he had these kids that were really smart. So he started a debate team, took him to nationals. Um, and then when his son got there, he took his son to nationals. Um, and so it was just a weird kind of thing. And so everybody kind of expected me to debate. I'm sorry, my phone's going off. It's okay. <laughs> it's my son. Nothing important. Um, <laughs> and, and so, but I didn't go out right away. You know, they had the thing. I didn't go out. I was, I was a football player. I was, you know, I'm five foot nine now, but I was five, one and a hundred pounds, but I was going to play football yes. and basketball. And so I didn't go out, but one of my friends, good, best friend, one of my best friends was going and they had 
senior homeroom, like we had homeroom. So we would go to the debate room and then they got to go to lunch. So I went there so I could go to lunch. Mm. My second day I was there, I went to a tournament. He figured your <laughs> grandfather was a debater. You can go to a tournament. <laughs> sure. That's how it, it worked. Yeah. It's all just and, in and genetics. I, got, I, loved it. I just, I loved it from the first day. And so that's how I got started. And I, it's like you do something the first time and you know, okay, I'm a debater. I, mm-hmm. So, but I was nerdy enough that, that it didn't matter to me too much about the other stuff. And then <laughs> that, that winter, I broke my leg in five spots. And so I was unable then to do, pursue any of the sports dreams I never would have realized, which was probably a really good thing for me. Hmm. How, uh, how were you as a debater? Mediocre. <laughs> <laughs> I was good for Northwest Iowa. Okay. <laughs> Did you guys so I, do any um, national competitions? Um, no, <laughs> no, um, no. Um, we debated some there. Um, I guess the best story is we went to Augustana College, which used to have one a, a really good high school tournament in Sioux Falls, and we went in to the sixth round and just got blown out. I mean, just mm-hmm. like oh. But when that was before they did any kind of release. You have no idea how you're doing at that point, right? Nobody knows. So you kind of go, well, your, your, your opponents kind of tell you how you're doing. We just got killed. Mm-hmm. And so we walked out of there going, well, we must have had a pretty good tournament. Yeah, it was an 05 round. <laughs> but one of the other guys that was in, the, in that round ended up debating with my partner and I in college at USD. And he was incredible, Eric Euchre. I don't know if you guys know him. Mm-mm. Um, he coached at Sioux Falls for a while, but just incredible, probably the best debater I ever saw. So I don't know why they were 0 and 5. I don't know, but they were great. So I, I debated in college. I had a really good high school, I mean, college coach of both Iowa Lakes and at, um, USD. And that probably taught me more in the first you know month than I knew in high school. So that helped. But I was not a good debater. We, I wasn't that good in high school either. I'm a much better coach than I ever was a competitor. <laughs> Yeah. I made finals in uh, Prop 2 a few times, so that was kind of my deal. Very cool. But I love debate, and I could go fast. So, <laughs> your, so your grandpa was a debate coach, so your family was probably a little more understanding than some people are. No? Like, they didn't—do do they still not get it? Um, my, my mom had such a love-hate relationship with her dad, so mm. she didn't want me to debate. And my, my dad was a, you know, all-state athlete. In South Dakota, you know, and it was a six three point guard in the nineteen fifties. You know, it was really big, really fast, really good. You know, and so I was supposed to do that. Mm. And so debate was something. I mean, they never, never supported, never didn't support, but no, they didn't really care. My wife met me while I was debating in college. Okay, so she's been incredibly supportive. She knew who I was when she met me. Shout out to the, the forensics and debate spouses. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> they are good people. Uh, what about uh, you, your son called you? Do you have any other kids? Yeah, both of my sons um, debated for me, too. Um, and like the one who just called um, was in the finals with his partner, the state de- state debate tournament. It was probably his top tournament ever. Um, and that was really, really cool to see him in the finals. His brother, it, he was a baseball player who debated. Do you understand that reference? And he, but he debated, he did well, he, you know, certainly better than me. Um, and then his brother was a really good debater. Is it weird uh, to like, to, to have to like change that relationship with your kids to suddenly shift from being dad to like coach dad or is it dad coach? Like, how does that like lay out? Cause sometimes I, I'm, I don't have any kids that I that I'm coaching or kids in general, but sometimes I'm, I like I I worry that if I ever did have them, I wouldn't know how to balance that relationship because I worry that I wouldn't be kind enough to them. Oh, I certainly wasn't kind enough. Um, <laughs> I coached them all the way through in a lot of their Y sports. I did baseball and basketball and some football. So I had coached them and had that kind of relationship with them especially with baseball because they both were really good baseball players. They really loved it. We did a lot of competitive baseball. So they had used to me as a coach mm-hmm. and both of them used to travel with us. Like one of them would go with me on a weekend just, uh, or go on Saturday mornings. A lot of our terms were Saturday. So they just travel, you know? So Dan was flowing by the time he was in like 12, I think. Oh my uh, gosh. Yeah. Cause he would go in and flow it and then give it to me and then we'd block it out. And 
he just loved doing that kind of stuff. So oh, it would have been I, nice today when he could have debated as a seventh grader. I think he would have loved it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. But those programs are much more supported and much more like well known now that we are trying to get kids started at it right. at a younger age than they were before. Because I would yeah, have I would have loved to have forensics in middle school. Would, yeah, you would lose your eligibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's nuts. So. Um I would love to find out more about just what debate like what the circuit is like what the organization is like in iowa uh as as far as like who organizes tournaments do you have a state organization and you know over the course of your 20 plus years coaching in the state like what trends did you see in in debate that uh that you like or maybe don't like so much (laughs) okay um ihssa iowa high school speech association um it does one tournament, the state tournament, and they're kind of the clearinghouse for the other stuff. Mm-hmm. And you, if you have an out-of-state teams from out-of-state, you have to get a waiver to put it on the national thing. Um, besides that, the um, Iowa Forensic League has a couple tournaments throughout the year. Um, but there, again, we didn't do much with them. We did a little bit, but not a lot. So it's pretty much just independent tournaments. Schools would just start or have them. Um the last 10 years or so, Joe Rankin out of Bettendorf kind of put together a schedule and everybody sent stuff to him and he would put a schedule, let everybody know where everything was. But you're pretty much on your own, you know, and you do things. So the, the circuit when we first started was Northwest Iowa and Southern Minnesota because we'd have um, Worthington, Jackson a couple of times, but mostly Worthington, um, down to Norfolk, Nebraska, and then kind of centered around Lamar's was probably the best school. But yeah, Lamar's, Cherokee, Sioux City, Healand. And it was just really strong debate, most, almost all policy and LD. Um, a normal tournament would be Friday night, IE, Friday IEs, Saturday debate. Usually four rounds and out, um, you know, no out rounds and stuff. That probably was the style of debate we did through the 90s. Um, and then some of the bigger tournaments started, like with Dowling in the mid-90s. Um, and we started seeing like the proliferation of some national circuit type stuff. And some of the teams started going that way. And then when they would like travel a little bit and then come back, it was so difficult for them and for us to adjust to a national style debate. Yeah. And there was a lot of things. I think two things happened that really helped debate in Iowa. First, Dave Houston came back to Roosevelt. You guys know Dave? He coaches at, I always get it wrong, Colleyville, I think now. But he started at Fort Dodge. I even knew him when I was in high school. Um, then he went out to business for a while. But he's on the national board, NSDA board. Uh-huh. And he came to Iowa and he really brought together like this like Northwest Iowa conglomerate of people and then everybody else in the state so that we could work together and wouldn't hate each other, wouldn't cheat against each other. And he did really brought bringing us together. Um, and then Tim Sheaf has been incredibly to bring that up. Uh, Tim, student taught for Dave. And then Sheaf brought everybody together, too. And he keeps that going. And uh, he really does a lot of good work that way to, to keep people going. So um, the, the circuit trends are Northwest Iowa, every time we'd have an education crisis, more programs would die. A coach retires, program would die. Lamar's was, you know, one of the top schools in Iowa that wasn't from Des Moines or Cedar Rapids, right? So outside of those two areas. And for the HSSA, which is mostly the small schools, they won all kinds of state championships. And then their coach retired. Um, and for two years, another coach came on. And she did a pretty good job, but they lost that. And by the time, four years later, they cut the program. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just seemed like how things went. Um, if you lose your strong standing bearer of your coach, that program would die. And a lot of it is there's just no coaches. You know, I think about Jan Cook was at Cherokee for so long, and she did so many great things. And when she retired, they brought in a couple of college kids, and they did a good job. But three years, four years later, the program died. And I think that's pretty much going. And Okaboji this year is not going well. And I know their coach, two years after I've gone out, uh, does retired Or mm-hmm. not retired, she quit. Um, not going to coach next year. And I don't know what they're going to do. So it's so hard to find people like you two who go back <laughs> – and coach. And I think that's the hardest thing for debaters. If you're in an urban area, you can go to a college, you can go to a, a, a business or some, find somebody to coach. Rural area, if you're not a teacher, you can't build the program. So trends. 
debate got too fast. I love fast. I love policy debate. I love going fast. I thought LD was a nice little alternative. You could go somewhere. And I remember telling people, I don't mind speed. I don't want policy speed. That was kind of my RFD. And then it got mm -hmm. fast. And I'm like, okay. And I remember then we get Okaboji, we get just sped out of the room. So Brad Nolder was one of my kids. And so we started working and another kid, and we just started working on speed. And we had a jump about a month where we were not debating and just working on speed. And we went to the IFL tournament for state tournament. And we lost in semis because we went too fast. <laughs> no. Yeah, sure. That sounds great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That and sounds I, like I, forensics and debate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That sounds yeah. just like so it. One of the hardest things we had to do because we're rural Iowa, and I don't know, like we had we had classes of sixty-five to seventy of high school seniors. That was our whole class, yeah. whole grade. And most people looked down on small schools. I mean, I, I don't know if it's that way in Wisconsin, but I served in the legislature for six years. Everybody in the legislature thought the education coming out of small schools was much worse than coming out of urban schools. And in a few ways it is for the very top kids, it definitely is. You know, my younger son, who was, you know, just brilliant, he didn't have any AP or IB classes to take. And that was a crime. Um, for everybody else, I think this rural education is great. And we made some changes after he graduated to make Okoboji try to deal with those, some of those deficits but it's hard but on the debate circuit so many people had such negative negative ideas about what a small school small school debate was and so that was a trend that i really worked hard against and i mean the my high school program died when my coach who had been coaching the debate program at south retired my sophomore year after like 30 plus years coaching and the program has not recovered 12 years later still. But part of that was that we didn't have the funds to do things like send kids to camp or right. like have access to all of those like databases and other schools that have the money can just like sign up to have a membership to. And so we were, we were also just like completely outpaced by how much it changed. Like I was in high school, 2003 to 2007 in those four years debate, exploded and became something completely different from when I started to when I graduated. Like the entire like way everything worked was so different. So that's how I ended up in public forum by the time I was a senior because <laughs> it made more sense than policy. And even then public forum now looks so different than it did when I was in high school. Oh yeah. Because that's the way that it, d debate is one of the, the hardest ones to keep pace with. And so it, yeah. it sucks that those programs die, but that's one of the reasons that it's so hard to get people into it is because it's so overwhelming to start from scratch now. Public forum and Congress are certainly places people can start and public forum. I think you can still start there. Yeah. Uh, but policy and LD are just so even, you know, after all the coaching, I didn't think I could keep up with policy anymore. Once my kids stopped being, they wanted to do policy debates and we kept policy debate for them. But once they graduated, we filtered out a policy, but our program had no money. I mean, that's not true. We had some, but no money for camp. And the last five or six years I was there, um, we funded from a, over half of our funds came from a paper truck. So uh, they would bring a trailer, this this company of trailer, and we would have the set out in the community because because we couldn't put it at the school because the custodians wouldn't allow us to. Okay. <sighs> So we we got a place. Uh, former debater was um, on the uh, like uh, chamber of commerce stuff like that. So he got a place to put it on city land, and they would we fill it with paper. And then one of the local, the local celebrity, I, it, we can talk about him. Would come in about every day and would do stuff on it to make sure that it wasn't a mess, and then put cardboard in it. And for five years, we would get about five or six thousand dollars of return out of that truck, which was more than half of our um, budget. I mean, it was almost all of our budget for the last couple of years. That is so the most wonderful. interesting fundraising method I have ever heard of. Yeah. Yeah. One of my, I don't know if you guys, if you've been, you know, LD circuit at all, if you know, Jack Ave, he debated for me. Anyway, we, his we don't know anybody. Is, <laughs> okay, anyway, our world is very small and shaped like a mitten. Jack <laughs> would be so disappointed because Jack thinks everybody knows him. But uh, 
He, he um, his dad was the uh, an administrator at our school and came across this as a possible fundraiser for us. So he kind of got it started, and it was amazing. I mean, we wouldn't have done anything. We had a super because we had a pretty good budget, and the superintendent came in, and he was the same person that cut the Lamar's program. So I thought it was bad omen when he we hired him, and he came in and said, "Yeah, I see debate kind of like FFA. You should do like three trips, and if you make nationals, cool. But if not, oh well." And so that's what we're going to fund. Wow. There wasn't any, there wasn't any money crunch. There was nothing. It was just like, yeah, no, we're not going to do that. You know, in our program here in Sheboygan, we sometimes lament the fact that we are compared to the, like we have to follow all the same rules that the sports teams do, which, you know, has its up and down. I mean, our kids have to go to a meeting every year where they sign paperwork saying, you know, they know the, what to do in case of a concussion, um, which we always think is a little silly. Um, but then we hear that and we think, you know, actually, I, I would rather our administration think of us as a sport because maybe that keeps us uh, valuable in their eyes. Because, yeah, we are yeah. we're not club. We're not an FFA. We're not a National History Day. It is it is a different uh, different beast altogether. And I worked really hard on that. That was what I started. I though I'm a debate coach. My first two official coaching jobs were coaching volleyball, and basketball at the varsity, at the junior varsity and the assistant varsity. And then I coached uh, golf for quite a while. So I have that mindset too. still wanted to be an athlete. It just wasn't, but uh, I kind I can't coach it either. Really. I was a terrible coach, but <laughs> I think about it in those terms. And so I wanted to be treated like at least you have to treat me as well as you would treat my golf team. Right. You can't do things that aren't you can't say, well, you can't go to that because of this. The first superintendent I had was incredibly great. He's a Hall of Famer in Iowa High School Speech Association. So, I mean, really great guy. But we would go around. I mean, and. But then we go play golf. So that was good. Um, (laughs) But fighting for things and making us a sport, getting recognized at the homecoming pep rally. Um. Getting, you know, and when we won state, you are going to have an assembly and recognize us in front of the student body. You know, these are things that are going to happen. And it took a while, but usually, you know, each each group of superintendent, you had to, you know, you, you went down, started building and went down and started building. And so that was it, it had to be it had to be seen in the community and in with our people and the in the school that it was legitimate. and. So getting getting out like every every week, I did a point sheet. Like everybody knew how they did how are they doing NFL points, and so they had a running total. And on the back side of that, I did like a recap of the week and the story. And like I said, as a legislator, so I learned how to write like um, press releases where you know you quote yourself but in third person. <laughs> <laughs> so I started probably in the mid nineties writing press releases after every debate tournament, maybe before that. And because we're a small town paper, they got put in the paper like somebody wrote them. You know, no, my my byline was on it, obviously. But so the town (laughs) started knowing what we were doing. Um, And then we started doing, we had a public debate every year where we brought people in. A public forum was really good with that then. But even before we had public forum, we would bring in and we would do a slowed down LD debate. we started doing public debates every year, and then we would go out to clubs. We went to Kiwanis. We went to Rotary. Um, and we, we had several communities. So we went to several community Rotary Kiwanis, you know, getting kids up at 7 o'clock in the morning to get to Kiwanis. is never fun, but the kids showed up and did great jobs. Um, and just getting us out in the public, getting this recognition, and just continuously covering the kids was so important to have that community support. And I think that's why we kept the program as long as we did. And the superintendent finally is gone that was there when I left. So <laughs> the new one's really trying to support debate. Hopefully well, they'll hire nice. us. Yeah. You've transitioned so flawlessly into what we were going to talk about this episode. Uh, nicely Sorry. done. <laughs> um, we love so you, a good segue. Yeah. You, so you, you've, you've already brought up uh, those things that you did. Were there any other uh, uh, tips and tricks that you figured out to help promote your team to the community or within your own district? Radio stations, you know, try to fill time. So getting kids up to the radio station or me up to the radio station or just calling into the radio station for quips. I did that all the time on big tournaments. Um, and they were great. After uh, we won state 93, 
Um, they brought the four kids in that did four person policy debate. Okay. Remember that? You know, you guys probably don't. No. Anyway, uh, hey, I, for, I was part help. of a four person policy debate hey. team when I was in high school. I was, I was, I was, I was, I was a really good first affirmative. I was a very, very good first affirmative. <laughs> I was a great second neg. Ah, see, second neg was like always like the hardest, like sought after position. Like you'd meet someone and they'd be like, oh, I'm a second neg. And you would like judge so much about them. It was like learning someone's like astrological sign. You just make all sorts of assumptions based off where they were. <laughs> yep. Yep. And I, I'd probably fit most of the stereotypes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they were, they, and they interviewed him for an hour. And those kids, I mean, those four kids are still within the community and they come back and help the program, you know? And so that's, that's one who got us the trailer where we got to park it uh, was one of them. And so just having that kind of support um, for a while and then, you know, being pretty for a rural school, being allowed to go to most tournaments I wanted to go to um, and not having to do a whole lot of fundraising. We always did some. We sold suckers and that kind of stuff and did, you know, but uh, but getting I think and then every day after I did the point sheet and I, you know, did the press release, sent it in. And I'd send it into like the, sh the shopper always printed it. That was always great. They want news. They'll print it for free. The newspaper printed it. Radio stations, it was big. If they didn't have much going on, they would have a little blurb about it. Sometimes they would call me for a quote. Um, and then I also left it in the teacher's lounge and in the, in the office and in the library. And the librarian would put it. She put a little plastic thing in. She would put it in there. So she, everybody who came to the desk, check out a book, would see the debate story for the week. And oh, she did it so for nice. some other stuff too. Yeah. So, and her kids debated for me um, and were really good, brilliant, brilliant kids. Um, and so we had a lot of that kind of stuff going on too. So that just everybody knew about debate. I talked about debate. And I, I don't, I didn't have a debate class. So I, I taught English. And debate was all after school. You yeah, guys same, know when, same in our district. There's no, there's no debate classes, no speech classes, which is another thing that I think gives certain like schools a leg up is that those students are in those classes, but we don't have a debate class and our speech classes certainly do not filter into our program at all. Half of the speech classes at South are forensic students just getting a really easy a, so <laughs> yep. we don't have that happening at all, which a lot of other schools are lucky enough to get to do is that they get to have debate classes, which I would have loved to have taken in high school. That would have been yeah, so fun. Um, Megan West um, started a program down in Florida and when they first started, they added debate, and she had three sections of debate and three sections of English. The next year, she had six sections of debate. And last year that she was in the running the program, they had 17 sections of debate. Oh, my God. So they had to have three teachers just to cover the debate class. They had to have Incredible. three debate people. I mean, yeah. snaps to her. Yeah, oh, she's wonderful. She's in administration now, so... We'll see how that keeps going, but um, so that I think, and then getting the getting the, I think the big one of the biggest things that helped was the coaches started seeing how hard our kids were working, mm. um, and sports was not a great thing at Okaboji. They struggled at football, especially. Um, really good coaches, just no history, and that that kind of goes. And some of them saw how hard our kids were working and were like, how come I can't get my, my football players to work as hard as your debaters, you know, <laughs> and those type of things. And several of those coaches have gone on to other schools and done really well, won some state championships and stuff. So it wasn't them. They were really good. But having the respect from the coaches, the two coaches especially were some, a couple of the football coaches and then the wrestling coaches. Mm -hmm. Don't know why, but those people really respected my debaters and really worked with them. Well, that's so nice. My, yeah, my debaters then played football and wrestled and played basketball. So we had practices in the evenings and mornings. And I remember for like tournaments, like when we go to Valley, the kids would play Friday night football and I would go to the game and they would shower. And then we would drive to Des Moines the three and a half hours wow. after the football game. Um, and then they'd get up at eight o'clock in the morning after getting there at two or three. And they would debate. So I think having kids cross cross that too, where we had both athletes and debaters, I think that helped. Mm -hmm. um, and that was pretty consistent. Like um, the first state champion I had was um, the, high, the quarterback for the football team, six man on the basketball team, um, valedictorian, homecoming king, 
you know, all those things. Plus, he was a state elder. Um, and so that was kind of a consistent thing that we, my kids, very rare, very few of them ever were just debaters. And that really helped. That's yeah, one of the think- advantages, I think, of being a small school because yeah. the, the kids have, I mean, if, if you don't let them do more than one thing, you're not going to have multiple teams. Uh, I, you know, Melissa and I both coach for schools uh, or, or our North and South teams where like it's 400 students to a uh, class. So, you know, upwards of 1600 kids in the whole school, there's not a lot of crossover between activities. You, you pick your track, you are either a a speech kid or a sports kid. And even then you got to pick your sport because you're not going to be able to train for one while doing the other. Mm -hmm. Uh, You really gotta, you gotta know your, your, uh, who you are and what you want to be because. And nobody does. It's such a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. You know, my son, I'm sure, thought he was going to be a, but, well, man, I always knew he was going to be a baseball player. But I, Deanne probably would have tried other sports a lot more, but, he, you know, he really was made to play baseball and debate. So Yeah. <laughs> but I think that kind of community communication with the other coaches, and then I went to everything. Like, if I had a debater in a play, I was at the play. If I had a debater in uh jazz band, I went to the jazz band. Uh, you know, all of those kind of things to support those activities. And um, the jazz jazz people were great about supporting us. And I remember one of my best Aldiers was also the lead um, sax player. And so nice. she their their state contest to qualify for state was this morning of district qualifiers. And the the plate the venues were 200 miles apart at 100 miles from me. So kids went with the assistant coach. I drove down, listened to jazz band, picked her up. We raced the Nat Qualls, and she qualified. Um, oh my gosh! I mean, she was she was yeah. She won the Minneapolis. I mean, she was. It, I didn't even go to the Minneapolis. Wow! You know, the Apple Valley tournament. <laughs> she went and won it. So yeah, she was something else. But those type of things we just did, and I think that doing that, going that above board like that, people recognized that the program was important, and that helped. So I don't know. I'm trying to think of anything else. Oh, Emil Richter. It sounds like University. you just swore at us. <laughs> <laughs> it would be like I'm kneeling to, you know. What's, what's Emil an Emil Richter? Richter. <laughs> Emil Richter is, um, he's, he and his brother started um, a store called The Three Sons and started an organization called the University of Okaboji. Ever heard of that? You can Google it later. University okay. of Okaboji is a fictitious university. So the idea came from, they were they set up, a, they were selling different things. One of the big things was sweatshirts and the university of Iowa and the university of Nebraska sweatshirts were selling like crazy, but they had to pay the extra premium, you know, because they had the Iowa name on it. Mm. And so they were drinking heavily one night and Amon and his brother said, we should have our own university and sell our own damn sweatshirts. <laughs> so they did. And then they start sponsored a university of Okaboji soccer tournament and attracted 30 soccer teams from across the Midwest, because Okaboji is kind of a vacation land. Think of a Dells, on, you know, small Dells area. Yep. And they everybody came. And now there's Okaboji, University of Okaboji weekend from the first of last week, April, all the way through middle of October. This weekend's winter games. So they, they got a foot of snow last on Tuesday. So that's like 100,000 snowmobilers will be, now that's to me, 10,000 snowmobilers will be on the lakes wow. this weekend. And so anyway, Emil and his brother then started this. They built this business. It's incredible. They're very successful. And for anything with the school, if you make it to state, he puts a big sign with the kid's name on it on Main Street in two different towns and says, good luck or whatever. And the first one he did was for us going to nationals. And the girl going to nationals was Jessica Lambertson and Evan Hilzebeck. And he spelled their whole names out on these big wooden signs that he hand-painted. I mean, they're huge. I mean, they're bigger than the room in it. And they put them at a, uh, at a, like a marina is one of place where they put them <coughs> and they put them at the, uh, at a chiropractor's office. And so everybody sees that we're doing well. Right. And he put it up for winning state. He put it up for qualifying for nationals. And every, and after, after we started doing it every year, he stopped doing names and just said, Oh, Okaboji debate, OSL debate, good luck at nationals. And then we're up for a week or two, you know? Mm-hmm. And so he helped publicize that we were successful too. And he did it and just the email because 
he wanted to publicize that small schools were educating people well. And so many people that come to Okoboji, the Lakes area, are from Des Moines and Omaha. They would recognize NFL or NSDA and know what he was talking about, that their kids qualified and your kids are in your car coming on vacation. <laughs> he really wanted that to happen. So Amos just an incredibly wonderful man. And just so and we coached baseball together. So that was fun, too. That's um, that's just an incredible story. Um, you've, yeah. you've touched on it a little bit, but I wondered if you could um, elaborate on why it is important for teams to have that kind of visibility in their community. There's, there, I think it's all about budget because schools are on your constant budget. They have been since the 70s. Um, so they're always looking for ways to save money and debate costs money, especially the way it's done now with the having to travel and do hotel rooms, et cetera. Um, especially like you guys, it's really tough to go an hour to a tournament on Friday and not stay overnight and come back an hour and then go hour in the morning versus staying overnight. So those type of things are really costly. And so you're going to need money. You need money for you know all the transportation. And so you have to have support in the community that's worthwhile that they're spending some of this money. And so being out there and stuff, they see the real face of it. Um, and I think that's really helpful. And then having success letting people know success is your recruiter, right? Like mm. we were awful. I it's, it's like when I first started in the late eighties, we were so bad. Um, and my wife and I were talking about this. She remembers the story. So she reminded me of it, that we were at a tournament and it was fourth round and it was before you did power matching. So this was really way back. And this team that I knew was good had judged them during the day was looking at the schematics that were on the wall. Cause they didn't come to your phone. And um, they went, yes! And I said, oh, what's happened? says, where did he know Kaboji? Because he got that who he uh, said. They were so excited they were getting this really bad team. Oh, man. And I, I'll never, he ended up being the Speaker of the House when I was the legislator, too. Ugh, hated oh. that guy. <laughs> anyway, um, and they were really good. You know, mm -hmm. they, I think they got third in the nation that year or something. I mean, they were... They were really good, um, but well, all um, the more reason why he didn't need to exult in the fact that they had an, an easy match. Right. Like, and I don't think my team heard them and I certainly never told them, but, you know, it, it hurt. So going from that to saying and then she said to going, oh, Okoboji, you know, to have that, you know, and then when, mm -hmm. when Ann was debating the funniest thing, the run who won Apple Valley, who I didn't even go with, um, her initials were A.B. So Okoboji A.B., she graduated. And then the next year we were at, I think, Dowling, someplace like that is a national circuit anyway. And I had another kid with Okoboji AB who was a freshman and not good. And they put up the schematics and they saw, oh, crap. <laughs> I get Okoboji AB. He says, she graduated. She's right there. Nice. So, so anyway, um, yeah. So what was the question? I rambled there. <laughs> Just why visibility is important to teams. Because it's honestly something I don't think a lot of coaches think about or put a lot of effort into. Totally understandably, because there's so much else to do. Yeah. Right. Um, my wife would tell you I did it for my ego. Um, probably a little bit true. Um, I No, I did it because I just thought it was important to get out there and to get these kids who are working their butts off for me some credit. Mm -hmm. So in the community, they say, if you're on the number one debate team at Okaboji, you're good. You know, you've worked really hard. And it was so funny because I, I put out on Facebook late last night, you know, what do you remember? What's important about debate? I'm doing this interview today. And I would guess three-fourths of the comments are about working hard. I learned to work mm -hmm. hard in organs. You know, some people, you know, everybody, you know, the speaking and stuff. But how many of them said I learned to work hard? And I just that that really made me happy. And I think that's an important thing is that we forget about that. And like I do this at camp and this is one of the speeches I do at camp to the kids from the smaller programs that it doesn't matter what program you're from, the difference between really good schools and good schools is the amount of work that gets done. And there's some advantages if you have a class or if you have 10 people debating, but it's the work you do that matters. And if you work hard, you can do as well as anybody else. And that's it's really true. I mean, it's a disadvantage and we can whine, whine about it all. There are big disadvantages of being a small program, but it really comes down to how hard are you working and what are you willing to do? So, I mean, I had kids who would do, since Skype has started, you know, do rounds online with people all mm -hmm. over the country and just to get better. 
And I think that's so important. And, and technology has helped so much. I mean, you were talking earlier about, you know, how do you do this different thing? We had it, our Christmas vacations for so many years meant three trips to the college library two hours away. That was mm -hmm. where we researched. I, when I was getting my master's in the, in the early 90s, I had kids ride, ride with me for the two hours up to the college where they could research and debate for two hours and then ride back while I was in class. And we did that. that that's, we didn't have the Internet. We didn't have any kind of, you know, and luckily the librarian was a friend, so she ordered as much as she could that was debate material. But, yeah, so the Internet has been a really good thing. That's awesome. Uh, are there any things that uh, like state organizations uh, could do to improve the visibility of of debate and forensics in general? Um, one of the things that North Carolina does is they do like a a cup of all activities, and debate is one of the activities that counts as much as football. So Interesting. you get points and stuff, and so people are interested in winning that kind of stuff and being you know doing that. So having kinds of competition. And, you know, rewarding or acknowledging schools that do debate, I think, would be a big thing. Super, I mean, administrators like to brag about their school. And so having a debate program that gets you these things will be a reason they do things, right? And so I think having those type of things, um, trying to find young people who will coach. State associations can maybe do that, do some mentoring. You know, can, you know it's, I mean, it's so hard to mentor other coaches because we're so busy. If there's somebody on that level that could do it, I think would help. Um, and I know the um, NSDA has tried re uh, hard. Uh, they're the only organization I know of that's really trying for rural debate. There's this rural debate committee. And I've done so many NSDA committees, I didn't get on that. I feel bad. So I did the rules and I did NPF rules and stuff. But they're trying to say, what can we do for rural debate? Because they've had great success with urban debate, the urban debate. Yeah. And it's just how do we get these small schools to put the resources in when, I mean, let's face it, with Trump being elected, intellectual thought and liberal kind of sharing isn't something in rural communities that is very high. I hope I'm yeah. No, don't worry about it. Not on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Mm -mm. You're, 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 you're talking to the choir right now. We're listening. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I don't know. To, to me, that's a that's an important thing, the mentoring and getting people out and then giving them. I mean, I had to fight so much. Right. But I'm a fighter, so I'm all right with that. A lot of people aren't. And so when they are working so hard to try with their team to get them the recognition and all that to provide them with support. Um, and my first principal really did provide me with a lot of support. And that really helped. My last principal was really good about that, too. Um, and. They would tell me, like, after a weekend or whatever, if you need a day off to correct, because I'm a writing teacher, to tech papers, take one, you know, things like that. So I think those type of things are important. But state associations, they got to provide some mentoring and to try to keep programs going. I love it. Excellent. Um, I always like to end interviews with a, a little chance to just kind of talk about some really positive things. So uh, what is your favorite debate category? I had the most successful coaching PF. I really love policy debate. It's just so hard to do. Mm. So I, I'll leave. I love PF and I love policy. LD is just because I don't understand anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's become something else. It's okay. Uh, we don't yes. get it either. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> well, I think I, I think it's also it's transitioning. I don't know that it knows what it wants to be at the moment. So True. yeah, it's got an identity politics intersectionality thing going on right now that I just. You know, I, I'm much more comfortable with the philosophy or even policy-esque plans than I'm from an oppressed group. You should vote for me. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite? It's it's really a two-part question. What's your favorite forensics memory? And what do you consider like your greatest forensics accomplishment? Sometimes they're the same thing, but often they are not. Yeah, that was a question you saw you gave me earlier. And I'm just trying to think about that. Um the greatest memory might be the first time we won a state tournament and we closed out an LD. Um, we had three of the four in the semis. And wow. that realization, because we had been in the finals year before, and we had never done anything before that. So, like, we're just, this is just a shock. And that was just like, we made it. We, we've over the hump. We can do this. Um, and three of the four were undergrads. So that was like, 
And um, so that was that was just huge. That first one, that first, and then I think winning the state, the team state championship when the whole state was there in 2007, being this tiny little school and winning sweepstakes. Um, that was like that was 10 years ago, and it was just like. And we beat Chief, which was even better because he should have done that. <laughs> we edged him out by four points. Um, but that was those are two. And I guess, yeah, the greatest accomplishment was winning the public forum state title five years in a row. Wow. But, yeah, just that was cool. That is that's a lot to be proud of. That's a really, yeah. really good work. Congratulations. Uh, I had so many good kids, and that's I, I'm not giving enough credit to my kids. They are incredible. I have a kid who's a uh, former LD or who's in um, Seattle works at Google and is running one of their high end programs now. I mean, wow. he's like not, you know, he's up here telling other people how to do stuff. I have uh, judges and uh, former, I have a judge, prosecuting attorneys, um, federal prosecuting attorneys, lots of lawyers, just incredible talent came through my program and I was lucky enough to drift them through. I think, I think that's. That's the luck of this, of what we do. I mean, I, I think we all know kids that are doing exactly that. It, every forensics coach I know has a story about a kid who's working in Washington or running a company or, you know, working internationally, because those are the types of kids who are attracted to this activity. And we're, we're so fortunate to be able to work with them. Yeah, my first debater the, when I started the program uh, is an actuary. He started his own actuary company in London. After working for Lloyd's of London for a while. So I yeah, just, sure. I'm so lucky. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Why not? You're from Okaboji, you know? Yeah. You can do anything. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, before we say goodbye, is there anything you want to plug or talk about or people you want to say hi to while you have the uh, the chance to do it over the internet? Um, well, Dave Houston, I mentioned, um, I think he's so important. Tim Sheaf is so important. Scott won. Um, I remember when he started coaching at Ankeny, and they did th- and uh, they did a great event. They did a Scott comes from like the world of sports too, so they did this LD event where you had your top four LDers, right? Number one, number two, number three, number four, and there were four four teams in each pod, and you played pool play, and your one hits their one, their two hit their two, their three, and then you accumulated all the wins and losses. And whoever won each pool then had a final round, one, two, three, four versus one, two, three, four. And it was just an incredible, almost like a, it was just really like a wrestling duel tournament or something like that. It was so much fun. And my number four was not good. <laughs> she got a win. And that was a difference for us yeah. to, I don't, we got to finals. I think Ankeny beat us in the finals, but I don't remember for sure. But that was just so fun. So Scott won, seeing him go from Ankeny, and making the activity so much better in Iowa and then going to uh, Iowa City West and, and then improving the eastern Iowa so much. And then now at NSDA, and he's just tries so hard to make the event better. I, and it's just knowing him, you just he just really, really cares. And then Steve Shapoff. Um, I gave Steve his first big win. I was giving crap about that. He was a <laughs> sophomore going against uh, a really the top, one of the top LDRs in Iowa. And he won the round. It was like one of those rounds. And I think it was a break round. I think the other kid had lost a round mm-hmm. earlier in the tournament. Steve had lost. And I filled out the ballot. And it was like, I don't know if it's Sheaf or Dave Houston looked at the ballot, looked at me and said, are you sure? <laughs> are you sure? you got to be sure because you're going to get yelled at. you got to be sure. I said, yeah, I'm sure. There's This is the way it went. You got the right sides. Little guy, big guy, right? Yeah, no, that's what happened. Okay. You know, and then Shapaw went on to be, you know, Shapaw. So yeah. All thanks that, to you, it sounds no, like. No, no, no. <laughs> I have nothing to do with it besides that. Um, so, and I still work for Steve. On the, I you were the spark, fun, so. Greg. You were the spark. <laughs> no. Steve has a fire. I could not have been a spark. Oh, that's awesome. awesome. But just, I've worked with so many great people. I, I was really a lot of good assistant coaches. Um, and I'm still close to a lot of my students. That's really cool, too. Facebook is a wonderful thing. It, it is. really is. It is. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. We are really excited uh, to get to speak with you and, and of course, to share uh, what you have to say with all our listeners. Thank yeah. you.
Yeah, please send me a, a link to the podcast. Absolutely, oh, wow. I will do that. <laughs> so yeah, they uh, they're going to start airing uh, next week. So from February to April, in the middle of the week, we're going to drop uh, one of these interview episodes each week. So uh, as soon as I know where yours will land, I will send you the date. And uh, as soon as I have it edited, I'll send it to you to listen as well. Okay, and you're doing Nat Walls today, uh, District Congress today. No, um, I was supposed to be going to actually it's our first Congress of the year. We just oh, our, okay. for, our forensic season just started in January. So, yeah, we do we do a fall debate and spring oh, okay. forensics and they're totally like separate. Yes, yeah. very similar. So. So, yeah, I was supposed to be going to my first one. Long story short. Now we're not. So, yeah, no, nah. but our well, our because we'll be going next weekend and mm-hmm. um Marquette University High School is hosting and they actually host it in the Milwaukee City Hall. So the oh. kids get to actually like present from like the huge pulpit and there's all the wood and like Obama has spoken there. So the kids get very excited and they take a lot of pictures and it's just it's really cool to get to see them actually practicing those things in a real world place. So we feel very fortunate to have those like connections to take take advantage of. So, yeah, agreed. Cool. So excellent. Again, thank you so much. And uh, we will hopefully run into you in real life sometime in the future. Let's hope so. Definitely. Thanks so much. Have a great day. You too. Forensics Faces is recorded and edited in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Our theme song was written and performed by J.J. Hamister. Special thanks to Steve Shapaw and Dino Pape of the NSDA for connecting me with the folks featured in this series. If you're a fan of Forensics Faces, please take a moment to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. The more we're reviewed, the easier it is for others to find us. For more information, visit ForensicsFaces.com, and please connect with us on Facebook and Twitter by searching Forensics Faces. This is Kurt, encouraging you to listen, think, and speak. Preferably in that order.